First Peter chapter 4, one verse of Scripture. I want to read tonight and have prayer, and then you can be seated. The Bible said, verse number 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the good singing, Lord, all the good singing today and the good testimonies. And Lord, I don't know when uh, we've enjoyed testimonies any more than we have today. And thank you for people just being obedient and minding you. God, I pray that we'll never go back to that rut of just sitting and looking at each other. Lord, help us to stay uh, ready to worship and ready to serve you. I pray you bless this message now for the next few moments. Speak to our hearts and give us something that will help us this week. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number 16. And I want you to notice here that Peter is writing about suffering. And in writing about suffering, he mentions first of all in verse number 16, the person. As he says, yet if any man suffer as a Christian. I want you to notice two things about that person. That Number one, he says, if any man. I'm glad that uh, this verse applies to all this morning or this evening. But then also he talks about not just suffering within itself, but he talks about suffering as a child of God, as a believer, as a Christian. And we know tonight that Christians do suffer. It has already been mentioned and testified about that just because we're saved does not mean that we're exempt from the sufferings of this life here. And so there's the person. And then there's the perspective. As he says, if any man suffer as a Christian, notice this, he said, let him not be ashamed. Amen. Now there's no shame in suffering as a Christian. Amen. Uh, Peter's not talking about getting cancer. He's not talking about uh, not having the money to pay your bills. or He's not talking about something of that nature, but he's talking about a particular kind of suffering, and that is suffering for the cause of Christ. Amen. Uh, the Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You might be here tonight and say, Well, preacher, uh, how would I suffer as a Christian? Only one way to suffer as a Christian that's live a godly life. Amen. Now if you're going to be a Christian you have to live godly. Isn't that right? And so he said, with living godly comes suffering. And so uh, there's the perspective. The perspective is, is that we're not to be ashamed. So there's the person of suffering, the perspective of suffering. But then uh, there's the praise and suffering, as he said, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And you know what Peter says in this text? Is that when we suffer, we ought to use that as an opportunity to give God the glory. In other words, when we suffer as a Christian, we're not to feel sorry for ourselves. Somebody say it, man. When we suffer as a Christian, we're not to pity ourselves, and we're certainly not to praise ourselves for uh, suffering, but we're to take all of that and use it and give it for the glory and the honor of God. And so uh, this verse tonight is so important because uh, in this chapter here, everything that Peter has to say, he's wrapped it around verse number 16. He is dealing with the sufferings of this life. In particular, he is dealing with suffering as a 
a Christian. And so for a few minutes tonight, I want to preach on this subject on how to make it through the sufferings of life. How to make it through the sufferings of life. Now, we ought to understand a few things about suffering and then I'll move on and be through. First of all, God uses suffering in a particular way. He uses suffering in two manners in the life of a believer. Uh, Number one, to cleanse and to purify the spiritual believer and then to chasten and to punish the carnal believer. Amen? Uh, That's a lot of what the preacher testified about. Uh, That suffering in our life, when it comes, uh, it's used oftentimes to cleanse uh, and to purge uh, the spiritual man that we might be closer to God. That's what suffering does uh, uh, for us. Uh, But then it's to chasten and to punish uh, that carnal believer. Amen? In other words, if you're trying to live for God and you start suffering uh, as a Christian, just know this, uh, that God is allowing that suffering in our life uh, so that we might be more like Jesus, uh, that we might be purged, that we might be cleansed. Uh, He's wanting to burn out the dross in our life uh, and draw us closer and make us more like Him. Amen? If you're here tonight and you're not living for God and you're saved and you're suffering, then know that God is using that as a tool also to remind you that you belong to Him, that you'll never be blessed out of the will of God. There's no prosperity, there's no blessing, and there's no real lasting pleasure if you're a child of God living in sin. And suffering is the tool God uses to chase and and to punish the carnal believer. Now suffering, a lot of times, uh, uh, we can bring it upon ourselves. Notice verse number 14. He said, if you be reproached for for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But he said, let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a business body in other man's matters. So what he says here is that when we uh, suffer, we need to make sure that that suffering is not self-inflicted wounds. Amen? A lot of times we can bring suffering upon ourselves in this world, uh, and when that suffering comes, uh, we're not to, listen, we're not to feel sorry for ourselves then, and we're not to somehow try to spiritualize that. I mean, in other words, if you get out and you gossip, and you get in people's business, and, and you stir the devil up, and God punishes you for that. Uh, Listen, there's no remedy for that. Amen? I mean, you just got to take your medicine and go home and learn not to do that sin again. Somebody say amen. I know a man that told me, a spiritual man, that told me that he got out of the will of God one time and he said God whipped him for five years. I don't have any problem with that. I know a time that God whipped me for a very long time because of a bad choice, a decision that I made. You see, tonight, if you're saved, we can suffer when we make wrong choices. I remember when I made a wrong choice and I suffered and I asked God several times, Lord, would you get this better? And God said, not right now. God said, you're just going to have to take your medicine for a while. We don't hear a lot of preaching about that anymore. But I think it would keep young people from making bad choices if they realized that yes, you can find forgiveness and yes, you can find mercy, but the consequences of those choices could live on for weeks, for months. They could even live on for years, amen? And so therefore, we have to take every choice seriously because a wrong choice can cause us to suffer affliction that God never intended for us to have to suffer, amen? And so when we come to this text tonight, Peter wants us to understand three things about 
suffering tonight that I want to give you and then we'll be through. First of all, I want you to see tonight, Peter uh, talks about the purpose of suffering. Why would God allow a Christian to suffer uh, when he has not brought that upon himself? If God loves us and if God is merciful and if God is as compassionate as what the Bible says he is and we know this is true, then why would God ever allow us to suffer? I want you to see first of all in verse number one and verse number two, God allows suffering. The purpose of that suffering in the life of a believer is that it might bring triumph. Amen. Notice what he said in verse number one. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh, notice this, hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Now those verses are very clear tonight that just as Jesus suffered, the Bible says you and I need to get in a mind frame of suffering. We need to get out of the mind frame of comfort in the mind frame of ease and the mind frame of prosperity and not the way most of us think and we just need to go ahead and chalk it up. If we live for God, suffering is gonna come because the servant is no greater than his Lord, amen? And Jesus said of this world hated me, they're gonna hate you also. He's never promised us a bed of ease. He said, in fact, that in this world you shall have tribulation. And my friend, tribulation is coming to every one of our doorsteps. And Peter says, arm yourself. But the real triumph is this, that if you're suffering as a Christian, then that means you have ceased from sin. And that means that you're no longer doing the will of men, but you're doing the will of God. Now tonight... You can mark this down. If you do the will of God, two things are going to happen in your life. Number one, there's going to be victory. Somebody say amen. There's victory in the will of God. But number two, there's also suffering. And if you serve God, you will suffer. There will be trouble, there will be trials, but I'm gonna tell you though, he did not promise, as the songwriter said, a bed of ease or a better comfort, a bed of comfort. He did say that he would go with us always, even to the end of the world. He did say that I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He did say that if you'll cast all care upon me, I'll care for you. He said that I'll go with you. Thank God, what a promise, amen? And I'm saying the purpose of suffering tonight is that it brings triumph in the life of a believer. A second purpose for suffering tonight is our testimony. Notice what he said in verse three and four. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abomination, idolatries. But notice this, talking about the world. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right speaking evil of you. You know what he says here? He said you once lived in sin. You lived a life of wickedness. Uh, you followed the ways of this world and the ways of men. You may have never done that, young people, but as much of that was in the heart of them as in the heart of you. But now that you're saved, uh, God let you do a 180. He put you on another path. Uh, he hooked you up with another crowd. He changed your hitching post. Uh, you're drinking from another fountain. Uh, you're living 
living another life. You're going in another direction and the world looks at what you used to be or what you could be and they look at what you are right now and they're scratching their heads saying, man, you're crazy. And there's something strange about you. You don't run to the honky-tonks. You don't run to the beer joints. You don't run to the hell holes of this world. But you come to church and you testify and you sing in the choir and you play instruments and you love Jesus. That's strange to this world. But thank God, my friend, it's a testimony that is good tonight. Amen. I want to stop and say, young people, the best testimony is those that have the testimony that their lips have never touched alcohol, that their brains never been infiltrated with dope or pot. They've never snorted crack. They've never tasted meth. You've never, listen, defiled your life. The best testimony is one that is pure at the marriage altar, is one that has lived clean and lived holy. I say, God, give us some Daniels. Give us some Esthers. Give us some Ruths, give us some Davids. That's what we need in this generation. Amen. I think when you get up and testify, if God pulled you out of the gutter, you ought to thank him for it, but never detail the gutter. Somebody say amen. Don't ever let a young person hear you bragging on the gutter. You want to brag on the God that pulled you out of the gutter. You want to brag, my friend, on the grace that picked you up. You want to thank God you're not what you used to be. But my friend, listen, too much credit has been given to the devil and not to God. Amen. And the purpose of suffering is that our testimony, if a man is suffering in this world and is strange to this world, it means that he is living for God. Amen. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh but live according to God in the spirit. So the purpose of suffering is for testimonies, for triumph. But then can I say this tonight? It's for tenderness, amen? You know what suffering does? It brings charity into our life. Notice what the Bible says in verse number seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. You know what suffering does? It tenderizes us. It causes us to be sober, he says in verse 7. It causes us to, uh, to turn to supplication. We watch unto prayer. Uh, as it's already been said, we all pray more when we suffer. Isn't that right? And then it causes us to be sympathetic and to be sweet toward others. Uh, we have not just charity, but notice what verse number eight says. We have fervent charity and we have charity that covers a multitude of sins. Do you know a man that's been saved out of a life of alcohol? has got a lot more compassion toward the drunkard tonight than a man that's never tasted it. And do you know someone that's been saved off the front row of a church that has lived under the shadow of the cross all their life and struggled through their teenage years with their salvation trying to get it nailed down and has wondered if that profession was real or not and they've been in the altar and they've struggled and they finally get it settled when another young person comes or someone struggles in the altar they're not as quick to, to judge them they have compassion because they've been there amen and what happens is suffering causes us to be tender and we need tender 
saints, don't we? Hey, man, we got enough grouchy saints. Somebody say, man, and we sure got enough gripey saints, that's for sure. And we don't need them saints always running around gossiping. Somebody say, man, but we just need some good tender saints that'll have a tear in their eye, that'll have a compassionate heart. I'm telling you, charity covereth a multitude of sins. In pastoring a church, I think God allows preachers to suffer so that we'll have compassion because we're not compassionate by nature. Well, I'm telling you, when a young preacher starts pastoring a church, you just want everybody to pull the, uh, you know, tote the rope and, and do everything they're supposed to. And if they don't, just, you know, if they don't get on board, they just jump ship. That's the attitude of when you start pastoring. But after a few people jump ship, after a few people come by and sit down and you see tears dropping off their chin, after you lose people because of sin and Satan, then you're willing to go the extra mile. After God runs you through the mill on some things and and he allows things to happen in your own life beyond your control. It allows you to be more sympathetic. I'm not talking about compromise, but in independent churches, where I'm telling you, listen, that uh, we have to be so careful in independent churches because people think charity is compromise. I want to tell you something. If it wasn't for charity, none of us would be where we're at today. Amen. I'm telling you, the standard is God. Nobody lives holier than God, and nobody has a higher standard than God. But the Bible said His arm is not shortened that He cannot save, and it his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. I'm going to tell you, God will go as far down in the set pools of sin. He'll wade all the way down to the bottom and God will get down on the bottom. He'll get down there with the lowest of the lowest. He'll get down with the vilest of the vilest and he'll reach down and pull them close to his bosom and he'll pull them up out of that set pool of sin and bring them out and he'll make them clean and he'll make them holy and he'll never compromise one standard uh, just because he goes to where they are and loves them to Jesus. Amen. Oh, I'm glad he found me one day. If I had a voice, I'd shout. I'm glad he picked me up one day. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for grace, if it wasn't for mercy, I'd be dead and in hell right now. Oh, but thank God. I bless his holy name that one day he found me. Praise God. He picked me up. He rescued me. He found me. Hallelujah. And he saved me. And he drew me to his side. Hallelujah. Woo! Woo! Hallelujah! I say glory to God! I say hallelujah! I say thank you, Jesus, for saving an old sinner like me! Hallelujah! Praise God! Woo! I feel sorry for the person that has forgotten what they used to be. I'm telling you, listen, I believe in standards. I believe in convictions. You can't have enough of them, friend. But I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you, listen, I thank God for standards, but they're not my God. Amen. I'm telling you that God is my standard. He is holy. Hallelujah. And I failed him so many times. So many times I've fallen short. I've missed the mark, but he loves me. Hallelujah. Man, I blew that sermon all to pieces, but aren't you glad you saved tonight? I'm just talking about suffering. I'm just talking about tenderness. I'm talking about having compassion on people. 
I'm talking about looking at people and looking beyond the long hair and the earrings and the tattoos. I'm talking about looking beyond their sin, looking beyond the mess and seeing a soul uh, that's wayward and a soul that's sinking uh, and a soul that could have been me and a soul that should have been me. Uh, I can't give you one good reason why I'm in church tonight. I can't give you one good explanation why I'm amongst the living. Uh, I didn't earn it. I sure didn't deserve it. Uh, uh, But it's just the grace of God. Uh, It's just his mercy. It's just his goodness. Uh, He could have passed by every one of us and found somebody else. Oh, but he came to where we was and he picked us up and he's worthy to be praised tonight. Hallelujah. I bless his name for that. Can I just tell you this? He talks about the purpose of suffering. suffering, And it's also for talents tonight. He said in verse number 10 down to verse number uh, 11, he talks about our talents as every man hath received the gift. That's the guarantee. Every man's received the gift. So minister the same one to another. That's the goodness. You know why God gives somebody a spiritual gift so they can minister one to another? It's not to brag about. It's not to boast about. It's not to lift up the flesh. It's to minister to each other. Amen. And then he talks about he talks about the grace of that gift as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then in verse 11, he talks about the God of that gift. As he said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it uh, as of the ability which God giveth. Uh, and then he talks about the glory of that gift. As he said, that God in all things might be glorified glorified through Jesus Christ. Amen. Suffering, you know what it does? Suffering puts the spotlight on the gift that God has put in our life. Now every Christian has spiritual gifts. And as we grow, we develop those gifts if we grow. But suffering does something that even growth within itself does not do. You say, what do you mean? I'm talking about tonight Let me say this about those gifts. You can find your gift and you should find your gift or gifts and know what it is. But you never magnify the gift. You magnify the God. Man came to one time, he said, I got the gift of teaching. I didn't want to hear nothing he had to say. Any guy running around sticking his chest out saying, I got the gift of teaching, he needs to learn humility. Am I telling it right tonight? I believe Tom Barnes has got the gift of exhortation. I think that's right. But you know what? He can stand and exhort and be a blessing. I believe this man's got the gift of exhortation. But you know what? When suffering comes, that gift of exhortation is highlighted. Because you may stand a thousand times and exhort and God bless you. But when you stand in the midst of suffering, God turns the spotlight on that gift. And we know that he can exhort, but to exhort in suffering is magnified. Is that right? God gets glory in exhortation, but exhortation in suffering my friend, that's, I'm telling you, you take a man that has got the money to give and he gives and God's blessed him with the ability to give and that talent, that, that gift that God has given him to give, uh, listen, that, that, that spiritual gift of giving is a blessing, isn't that right? But when he files bankruptcy or when he loses everything he's got, when all that riches is gone, but he's still coming down the aisle and he's still giving out of his poverty and he's still giving and he's still giving, it's magnified in that suffering, amen? 
yourself when you know he don't have it to give, but yet he keeps on giving it anyway. I'm just simply saying this tonight. The purpose of suffering is it reveals our talents even more. Then there's the privilege of suffering tonight. He said in verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice in so much as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, that ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. He said in verse 12, don't think it's strange, it's to be, it's to be expected. And then in verse 13, he said this, he said it's to be esteemed. He said that ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now we're, I say we tonight because I want to preach to myself right here. We're good at coming to church and thanking God for our blessings and we should. But we're not too good at coming to church and thanking God for our sufferings. Oh man, I'm telling you. Give an invitation and let me lead to the altar. Because we, we should thank God when he blesses us. That's right. But when we suffer, we're not to be sad. We're not to hang our head. We're to rejoice. When you knock on that door and they slam it in your face or they cuss you out of the yard or they run you off, uh, we're not to quit soul winning. We're not to quit visitation. We're not to say, well, I ain't never going back to a door again uh, when they make fun of you at work because uh, maybe you wear a long dress uh, and they say something about that. Uh, You're not to drop your standards. Uh, You're not to lay your convictions down uh, just because the world is poking fun. Uh, You say, what do you do? You go back to your desk and sit down and bow your your head and say thank you God they might be making fun of me but they noticed a little bit of you in me I believe I'll wear it just a little bit longer I believe I'll just go on a little bit more I'm talking about rejoicing amen we're not trying to be popular with this world but if they can look at us and we can get their attention and they can see Jesus in us that's worth it all hallelujah when they want you to smoke you ought to look at them and say, I'm a Christian, I don't smoke. And when they make fun of you, let them make fun of you. I remember when I was in school, there was a, in public school, there was a girl that came to school and I always noticed her because she wore a long ponytail almost uh, down almost about this far down to her legs. And she always wore a dress and she always wore long, clothes, uh, long shirts. And I noticed that when going to school. I wasn't even saved then, but I noticed. I thought, well, she does that every day, even in the summertime. And I can remember girls would make fun of her. And I remember one day they was making fun of her about that. And I remember we were standing in the hallway to the locker room and they was making fun of her. You know what she did? She opened that locker and she reached in there and she got a big old Bible out and put it under her arm. You know what them girls did? They shut up. I never forgot that. I don't even remember her name, but I never forgot that. Still burning my mind after all these years. I'm telling you, friend, we don't like to suffer, but we ought to give God glory when we do suffer. 
It shouldn't make us weaker. It ought to make us stronger. Amen. Can I tell you a church that is spiritual is going to suffer. Everybody in the county ain't going to like this church. Amen. All you got to do is visit a few people. Amen. They're sinners that don't like this church. Uh, there's a man one day pulled up out there and I thought, you know, I thought he's wanting to be nice. I think Brother Terry had some similar encounter to this. Uh, I thought the man was wanting to be nice and I waved at him. I come to find out he didn't like the church sign. Didn't like where it was at. And I'm telling you, he was somewhat rude about it. I was just trying to be nice because I thought this man's probably lost. Uh, man, he was tore up. Uh, I said, sir, I said, ain't nothing I can do about that. But I said, I tell you what, if you want to tear it down and pay to have it rebuilt, I'll move it anywhere you want us to move it. Amen. And I meant that. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, but what I'm saying is it wasn't the sign. Uh, it's what the sign stood for. Amen. Uh, and can I tell you, there's people they saw I wouldn't go to that church there in a the cult. Uh, I wouldn't go to that church. Uh, they brainwash people. It's not what we're uh, doing that bothers them. Uh, it's what God's are doing. Amen. Uh, and listen, some people, they want to find a place that'll ease their conscience. Uh, they want to find a church where a preacher will take their money and pat them on the head and send them out the door. Hey, that man doesn't care about their soul uh, and that church isn't interested in nothing but their pocketbook. Uh, uh, but can I tell you something? Uh, when they get neck deep in trouble and when my friend, they don't know where which to turn. Uh, they don't go to the contemporary crowd. Uh, you know where they run back to? Uh, that little old fashioned church on the side of the road. Uh, that crowd that they don't want nothing to do with. They know one thing. Uh, when hard times come, uh, they can get a hold of God. Hallelujah. And I'm saying tonight, suffering is a privilege. I don't like it tonight, but I've come to this conclusion. I would rather suffer for Jesus than to suffer for the devil. And if you live for the devil, friend, you're going to suffer. You'll suffer in eternity. And I close with this thought tonight. Not only the purpose and the privilege, but what about the patience in suffering tonight? Look at verse number 19. He tells us in verse 19 that we are to commit ourselves to God and that we're to continue to do good in this suffering. He said, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. I'm going to tell you tonight, suffering as a Christian means this. It means that you share in His past grief and it means that one day you'll share in His future glory. Brother, tonight... As a Christian, every one of us ought to determine that when times of suffering comes that we're going to do just what that last part of that verse talks about our Creator, that we're going to be faithful. Brother, if there's anything we need today, we need faithful people, don't we? We don't need rich people. We'll take them, but we don't need them. Amen? We don't need talented people. It's already been thanked for tonight. We'll take them. The churches can survive without it. I tell you what we got to have more than anything else. We got to have faithful people. You know, sometimes I, the devil, you, I'll go home on Sunday nights. I don't think tonight's that night. But sometimes I'll go home on Sunday night and I'll get in the car and I won't get to the end of the road and he's in the car with me. And he'll say things sometimes like this. Boy, you're a sorry pastor. 
Now, I am a sorry pastor. I'll tell you something about the devil. He may tell the truth, but he never tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And he'll say, boy, you're sorry, pastor. That church gave you a paycheck, and you didn't do nothing but skin their hide all day long. And them people came, and you just, you're just mean. Devil ever tell you you're mean? Oh, come on. <laughs> Brother Harvey's the only one that even said amen. Y'all ain't got halos. Y'all ain't sprouting wings. I'll ask your spouse if you're mean. Amen and find out if we have to. Devil say, you're a mean old pastor. Just let them have it. You know when he tells me that? It's not when you preach them sugar sticks. It's when we preach sermons that in every sermon that I preach to you, I tell you the Holy Ghost, He's preached it to me. I'm telling you, He wears me out and I need it. But I tell you, a lot of times in a church it seems like pastoring is that it's our responsibility to keep prodding people. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Come on. You can do it. Come on. You can go on. You got to keep singing in that choir. You got to keep playing that instrument. Don't you quit tithing. Amen. Stop being late for church. Amen. Quit dragging in here for Sunday school. Amen. Be faithful. Be an example. Isn't that right? Come on now. If you love souls, you need to come to visitation. Come on. Amen. Start saying amen when I preach. Isn't that right? Raise your hand. Come on. It don't cost you nothing to do that. Isn't that right? Sit down. (laughs) I look back. I thank God. My pastor, he was born in West Virginia, raised in West Virginia, came to Chattanooga, Tennessee under Lee Robertson, went to Tennessee Temple, married a girl from Kentucky, and then moved to Georgia, to Chatsworth, Georgia, and started a church. Now that's about as confused as you can get, ain't it? But you know what? When I got saved, he'd tell me, boy, you need to get that hair off your ears. Get it off your collar. Amen. I started getting a little peach fuzz and he come one night and he said, you got a razor? And I said, nope. He said, I'm going to buy you one. He said, that looks like a mess. That's what he told me. He said, you ain't man enough to even grow anything right now, so shave them three off your chin. (laughs) I still say that's good advice. Come to me and he said, quit wearing jeans that have, have holes in the knees. You got if you ain't got nothing better than that, I'll I'll take you down here and I'll buy you something. And he did. He said, "Quit dipping." That's still good advice too, ain't it? He told me one Tuesday night. He said, "What's in your back pocket?" I said, "A can of skull." I gave it to him. Threw it out the window. I was shocked. He threw it out the window. He said, boy, you cannot tell people about Jesus with that stuff in your mouth. Now, that's what he told me. 
and don't listen. If you're mad, get mad at him. I'll give you his number. Don't you get mad at me because I'm going to tell you something. I'm not mad at him tonight. I thank God for it. Put me in the back of that old Ford LTD and we'd wrap papers and Sunday night, Wednesday night and go to church and he'd blister me and my brother all the time about little things but then he'd take us down to McDonald's and buy us an ice cream. That was some of the best precious memories I've got. And if he's right here tonight, I mean that. I'd hug his neck. He may not be everything that I, I agree with but I'd hug his neck tonight. You know why? Because he instilled some things. And he cared enough for my soul. Oh, did you ever get mad, preacher? Sure, I got mad. Somebody throw a can of skull out, $3.25, and throw it out the window? <laughs> Least he could have done was said, finish that one and don't do it again. <laughs> it was full too, brother. I still remember that. I'm not holding a grudge, but it was full. I'm just telling you. <laughs> we need preachers like that again. My Lord, preachers are so scared of people today. They won't say nothing no more. And you don't have to be a smart aleck. But you ought to love them enough to tell them. Amen. I love preachers that will just tell me the truth. Amen. We suffer, don't we? But patience. Stay faithful to God. Don't you get slack and tithing going to church, doing all these things we mentioned. Don't get slack and going to the choir. Amen. You stay, you stay on that front line. You be like some of these older saints sitting in this church. Look right there on a Sunday night. Amen. Been through everything. But she's here. She's faithful. Isn't that something tonight? That's how I want to be right there. That's how I want you to be. Like that right there. Amen. No title, no big recognition. But I tell you, solid as a rock. Isn't that, isn't that right? Amen. Miss Gladys don't hardly say nothing, but she is faithful. That's the way every woman in this church ought to be. Every man in this church ought to be like some of these men up here. Say, I want to be just like them. Well, Brother Charles comes in here. He's faithful. That's how we would need to be tonight. Let's stand as we get ready.